Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. I'm Hannah Erickson. And this podcast is all about helping you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God. We are in the, man, we're not even in the, in the, the middle of a, no. of a series in the New City Catechism. We are still at the beginning. Scratching the surface. Scratching the surface. Question six out of 52 is what we are focusing <laughs> nice. on today. And that question, um, like I said, comes from the New City Catechism. If you're just joining us for the first time, you can download that app that they have. You can order it on Amazon. Um, 52 questions meant to go through one question a week, essentially, and um, catechize yourself, right? Come yep. up with these answers to these questions that help you form your ideas about God better and through forming your ideas about God, that you would worship him, you would enjoy him, you would be more confident in the word of God, which is one of the things we're focusing on here in this podcast. So like I said, we are in question six, and question six, we'll dive right into it. How can we glorify God? Small mm, question. Very so small. So tiny. Easy peasy. Yeah. I mean, I think only a couple sentences will... We'll yeah. suit this Five-minute podcast. I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure the timer shows that we're about halfway through already. Yeah, of course. I mean, a minute 40, that's exactly where you want to be, pretty much, to answer this question. Yeah. Um, how can we glorify <laughs> God? We have these three questions that we ask. I think this first question will need a little nuance, um, maybe thinking through different people groups or different you know, religions even, or non-beliefs. Um, so the question that we usually ask is, uh, how does the world answer this question? So let's just, where do you guys want to start? How, how does the world answer, how can we glorify God? Um, I think first about cultural Christianity. It's kind of these people that are, like, claim to be Christians, kind of part of this circle, go to church, maybe Christmas, Easter, that kind of thing. I think that, I think that they would answer it along the lines of, um, doing good things, being a nice person, um, like that our behavior and our morality is the essence of what will glorify God or not glorify God. So it's all works-based and kind of how, um, like how you're seen is what will um, like give God glory or not give God glory. Kind of pursuing the better version of yourself that you can, mm-hmm. being as happy as you can. Lord wants you to be happy, so I should be happy and that will glorify him type of mentality. Yeah, so it's actually almost two different things, right? So the first one is um, there is a sect of Christianity that believes that um, you need to. Well, I don't even I don't even know if I should call it Christianity. Yeah, there is a sect of quote unquote Christianity, people who follow Christ who are works based. So that's not even about being happy. That is um, literally about doing enough not only to earn salvation, but to bring glory to God. And it's, mm-hmm. it's only what we do that would bring him glory. And it's what we do that bring us salvation. Great mm-hmm. examples of that. Jehovah's Witnesses. Yep. I'd throw Mormonism in that category as well um, for many reasons. I would throw uh, Catholicism into there. Things that, how do you glorify God? By accomplishing these tasks, by mm-hmm. doing these set things. That's how God's glorified. The internal is not nearly as important as the external. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by internal is what's going on in your secret life, when doors are closed, in your heart, in your mind, and the external, I mean, you know, little acts of goodness or kindness or things that would build up God's church, whether it's an organization or just the idea of a church. Mm-hmm. So that'd be what Hannah's talking about. This, the other facet 
I think it goes even bigger, Regent. Being your true self yeah. is how we glorify God. I think what what parts of Christianity, quote unquote, do we think that falls into? Like progressive Christianity. Yeah, a lot more of the progressive yeah. culture. Yeah, progressive Christianity. So let's talk about some of those tenets. So being your true self yeah. is one way to glorify God through Live your truth. Yeah, live, live your, your truth. truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they tend to kind of push the boundaries of what truth is and kind of step outside of Scripture, just kind of opening the door for your yourself, allowing yourself to kind of create what it's supposed to be, which opens up the door to kind of create glorifying the Lord as what you desire it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd also say, what else should we take? So I think that's good enough conversation on uh, that type of progressive Christianity. Um, taken into the prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. those that believe that God provides blessing if you follow him, what's a way that we glorify God in that would be to have money, yeah, right? To be healthy and wealthy are ways that God is glorified. Um, and that is the whole idea is that people would look at my, bu- my, my, bu- my, my BMW, <laughs> people would look at my BMW <laughs> and say, man, God is glorifying as Jesus is all satisfying because you own a BMW. But uh, it sounds ridiculous, but that's, that's really the concept, right? Is that um, God is glorified in your satisfaction of the things that you have, mm-hmm. yep. which we're about to find out. Uh, God is glorified in our satisfaction, but there's a lot more to it than Very just different the, the material approach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that covers prosperity, Christianity, progressive Christianity, um, what we call cultural. I don't know. Cultural. I also cult Christianity. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, works Christianity. Uh, I had another one as you guys were talking. Uh, I'll think about it in a sec. Any other ones we can can sort of classify as how we glorify God? Those are the big ones that come to mind for me, specifically in America, at least. Okay. Um, oh, um, I'd say uh, political Christianity. Oh, yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say. So um, we can glorify God by voting the right way. Yeah. Mm. Um, not that you can't glorify God by voting the right way. Yeah. <laughs> there is a God glorifying way to vote, um, but it has a lot more to do with the conviction of your voting and the um, spiritual desire to please God than it does the name on the ballot. Yeah, but yeah. there there are most certainly um, people who will look at that and and say, um, "You are glorifying God by." being as involved in politics as you can be, or yep. as being patriotic as you can be. God is mm-hmm. only glorified if you love America. Eh. Yep, that's, <laughs> yep, that's a big one. Uh, so that's patriotic Christianity or political Christianity. Um, and, you know, and I think, I just want to say, we're going to get to this, but I need to say it right now. There's, all, there's truths in all these. Okay, like I know you could sit here and nitpick me right now. Be like, well, actually there is, da-da-da-da. well, yes, but... That, that it's a hidden truth or it's a, per, it's a perverse truth. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're writing that truth to the bank. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're saying yes. And they're adding this whole bunch of other stuff to the gospel. And so it actually isn't true anymore. Um, so, all right, that's the Christianity stuff. There's plenty of other ways the world can say we can glorify God. You got some in your mind besides just Christianity, perverse Christianity. I think atheists would say there's no way because there is no God. Yeah, I'd say, I think that's what they'd say with their lips. I think they'd say, there is no God, so there's no way to glorify him. I I believe, uh, hot take, I believe that that atheists have a God, right? 
And who's that agree. God? Self. Their self. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how, like, how do they glorify their God by building up the self? Mm-hmm. Building up knowledge and understanding. Yep. Or by trying to leave a legacy that is about themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I believe I'm only going to live once. Therefore, I'm going to do everything I can to make an impact. And they say it's humane. They say it's, it's for philanthropic or humanitarian efforts, mm-hmm. but it's really to make an impact for self legacy and glorification. So mm-hmm. I'd say with atheism, how can I glorify God? Well, that's myself. And so yeah. I'm going to glorify myself in any yeah. way I can. Um, okay. That's atheism. There are other religions in the world. There are. So what are, what are some of the ways other religions try to glorify quote unquote God? I think Buddhism is the one where they're trying to reach Nirvana. Is that, is that correct? Uh, yeah. Or you know, Hindu? Buddhism is so wide yeah. that, uh, in general, that's a good, a good statement. You know, there's always different sex that yeah. happen. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, enlightenment, nirvana. Mm-hmm. The idea this. of reaching like peace and being under con- control of yourself to the point where you reach this godlike state. Yeah. And we can throw reincarnation into that. You know, mm-hmm. this idea that you're progressively working to be better and better of a person to reach the highest level of that enlightenment and nirvana um, so that you know, God is glorified through you because you are God and you're part of God and creation's God and, yeah. and oneness is what glorifies God because mm-hmm. he is one. That'd be a good way to summarize a lot of that. Um, I also realized I need to stop clicking into the mic. I go a lot and I'm <laughs> noticing it. I apologize to any listeners that I just shattered that glass for you, but <laughs> now you're going to hear it all the time. Uh, any other ones you guys have for how the world glorifies God? I'd go, I'd add, uh, demonically, they glorify God. So the world, uh, there are many um, cults and religions out there that believe you can be, God is glorified through sex, through self-pleasure, mm. um, through experiencing him through drugs and touching the the spiritual realm. God is glorified when we access our ancestors and when we appease those ancestors, that's how we glorify whatever our, our God might be, right? Like please the spirits because those mm-hmm. are our gods. So that's a whole nother realm of religion that we didn't talk about too much. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that does cover it yeah. as much that, as we need to right now. Yeah. yeah. So that's how the world answers it. Let's dive into the meat, the meat and potatoes. The good stuff. Yeah. So our question number two for the structure of this podcast is to say what scripture says. And... The answer is, how can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and by obeying his will, commands, and law. What's the scripture? The scripture is from Deuteronomy in chapter 11, verse 1. It says, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. I, that's a good scripture. scripture. Almost feels like it leaves a little bit out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's because the, the other scripture that you'd sort of draw from part of that is found in the next question. Like the next question has a a scripture that has to do with a a lot of that as well. Um, you know, that question's what does the law of God require? But that, I think I would pair that scripture in there. So spoiler alert, we'll get into a more complete scripture later, but let's, uh, let's, Work through each line and and talk about how that scripture relates to it. 
And I would say real quick before we jump into that. Yeah. Um, I think, again, we kind of talked about this in a previous week that they might have used just this one verse to kind of pull us back to that part in Deuteronomy. But I, I think if you if you bring in the backstory behind where you, they, how they got to chapter 11 in Deuteronomy, it just adds a whole um, immense weight to that verse um, that's being said. I agree. I'm going to, for those of you that are listening to, listening to this that are John Piper fans, I'm, I'm going to go full on John Piper and say that nice. all of scripture points to this answer mm-hmm. and, and that all of scripture is trying to lead you to this answer. And that is God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. Such mm-hmm. a good line. Um, yep. I, I believe it when, when I hear Piper say that I see it in scripture, he yeah. reveals it in scripture time and time again. There are very few scriptures that you read that would not point to this in some way yeah, or point that this is the reality of things and, you know, not explicitly telling you to do it, but pointing that this is the reality of how the world works, that God is most glorified in you when you find the most satisfaction in him. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. We glorify God by enjoying him. How is God, uh, and, and maybe we should put in loving him, enjoying him and, and loving him. Should we put together or separate? What do you think? Can we start with defining glorify? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should. Uh, why didn't you say that at the beginning? Oh, I, I thought that you'd stop at glorify. I don't know. I assumed. Shouldn't yeah. assume. We glorify. Stop right there. What, there you go. <laughs> Hannah, what is it? What do we mean by glorify? Um, I looked it up and it said uh, to acknowledge him, him being God for who he is and what he does. And so it's active acknowledgement. Um, yeah. Of all that he's done for us, of who he is, his character, his being, um, all of that. It's good. I would. Also, maybe as a synonym that helps understand it more, magnify this idea mm-hmm. where um, to to glorify God is not only to praise or to adore, but also to um, reveal his scope, like his mm-hmm. true scope of things, like to, to um, magnify the a person's um, view of who he is, is to glorify mm-hmm. him. Um yeah, so maybe a tie-in magnify with that. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was thinking about this, I got this picture, I guess, in my head, thinking about my parents. So the older I get, the more I come to appreciate all that, that my parents did for me growing up. Like, I know so much more now as an adult what they sacrificed for me in my childhood, the way that they loved me well, all of these things. I come to a better knowledge of my parents and who they are and what they've done. And so because of that, I... Um, want people to know how much I love my parents, how amazing they are. I want to serve my parents more, not out of duty and obligation, but out of thankfulness and gratitude um, for who they are. And to me, that's like an image of what glorifying um, God would look like. It's not out of duty and obligation, but because we love him so much and because we're so thankful for um, what he's done and who he is, he is. And there is some obligation because we are his created people um, to glorify him, but it's also just out of this heart overflow of what he's done for us and his character and his perfectness and his holiness. And we can't help but um, love him, like, like we'll get to and serve him and proclaim him to other people. Yeah. And to reverse that, just to accent it, I think of the Apostle Paul when he's talking about, I think, the Thessalonians, and he says, you are my glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, really what he's saying when he says, you are my glory, he's saying, you glorify me in in the sense of 
um, I find pleasure in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so your parents, you are their glory in the sense that all that you're doing is glorifying them by also pleasing them mm-hmm. and, and pointing others to them. So to, to flip it too, like it's also this idea of pleasing the Lord. Yeah. Um, which I don't think was in the original definition, right? Pleasing. No. Him. Yeah. So I think pleasing him is, is, and being acceptable to him is mm-hmm. another route that we can take. I, I really like that definition. And I, I, I like that, like you really stress, like that it's not about this duty and this obligation, because I think that that can, it can go that way sometimes. And it can, I don't know. I, I grew up thinking to glorify was to do these things for him and that glorified him which I believe is an incorrect, um, like good application of that. And what I just thought was fascinating is, so in that in that verse we went through, it says, therefore. So I was like, what's that therefore? Therefore, shout out to Jim nice. Wilkin. Um, and so if I'm just going to read a couple phrases from some of the verses before that in Deuteronomy 10, which in Deuteronomy 10 is right after, like Moses is recount, uh, yeah, retelling the story of the golden calf, um, receiving the Ten Commandments. Israel basically you know, at one of their lowest points and the Lord's still providing um, his law. But then right before this, he, he, he has some of these phrases and he says, behold to the Lord, your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that's in it. Or for the Lord, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Or he is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. And like in each one of these, it's not an image of a God who needs our glory to be glorified because he's fully glorified already. But we have the opportunity to acknowledge that and take part in that and glorify him in his full glory of who he is. That's a lot of glory. It's a, a lot, lot of glory. Yes. It, it was a, it, that's like a little nuance that was told to me, I don't remember, a couple of years ago that kind of changed the way I saw glorifying the Lord. Because it, I, I get to partake in, in glorifying he who is fully glorified. And I think you're getting on to the answer of the New City Catechism. We glorify God by enjoying him. Yeah. And the nuance you're making helps you enjoy him, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That um, just uh, you had mentioned that um, obeying him is not really the way to bring him glory. It is, but mm-hmm. not not in, at in its itself. Core. Yeah, yeah, not as an end to itself. And that's that's what you're getting at is that um o- obeying his will is certainly a way to glorify him. It shows respect, it shows honor, it shows submission, it shows uh a pl- like his rightful place, just like Hannah's description with her parents. Like her obeying her parents is a way of glorifying them because it shows all sure. of those things. But your exception there, you know, your your caveat, your illustration yeah. um, shows that it's obeying him and also these things. They have to be together. They can't mm-hmm. be separate. And that's what a lot of these other religions that we were just talking about, that's what they do. They take one of them and they separate it. Mm-hmm. And, and they all have to be together. And why do they all have to be together? Because scripture shows each one of them. Because it's one God who revealed to us all of scripture and he is saying the same thing. And so all these things need to be true about how to glorify him. 
And so it's not just obeying his will, commands, and laws. I think that's the easy one for us Americans to think through, since the American religion is Catholicism and, and quickly growing to be Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of having—and that's actually one of the reasons people turn from Christianity so often, is they view it as just obeying things. Yeah. yeah. It's just a bunch of laws. Like, yeah. like we're under a dictator God that yeah. forces us to do certain things, and our obedience is the only way to have good standing before him. Yeah, and that's where the whole, like, it's not a religion, it's a relationship thing came from. It's it's actually both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. You can't swing the pendulum to only this lovey-dovey relationship that has no obedience following. It's just a bunch of good feelings because that isn't true either. Yeah, you need both, and and the point is by enjoying him, by loving him, by trusting him, you will want to obey him and command or obey his commands and law. It's there. There so intricately weaved that you mm-hmm. can't separate them. Um, and so it makes for a great litmus test. You know, I've talked about it in college ministry before, the litmus test, which I'm finding out that not many people know what that is nowadays, which I, I don't know why it shocked me because like I learned it in like middle school or something mm-hmm. like that. But if you're listening, you don't know. A litmus test is like generally a piece of paper that you stick into a substance of liquid that, and that it shows you based on the color that the paper turns, if it's acidic or basic and what level of scale it falls on. I didn't on. know that. Okay. Yeah. See, <laughs> I know I've preached it once or twice. At, at, Not really like, into science. <laughs> but the idea is that it's a way to test the quality of something. And so mm. when something is a litmus test of us, it's testing the quality. And when I'm talking spiritually, it's testing the quality of our belief. And so I think this is a litmus test. Because how can we glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and by obeying his will, commands, and laws? The litmus test is, am I doing all these? Mm -hmm. Because if I only turn out to be doing one of these, that's a good indication of the quality of my discipleship Mm -hmm. and the quality of my belief or sincerity of my belief. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they they all need to be found. And I'd say uh, you need to go to a church that preaches all these things. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's not one or the other. and, and I do want to get into, it just a minute, I do want to get into how you can do that. What happens if you are, you know, naturally gifted more at one of these than the other? We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, so enjoying him means to literally find joy in him. Would you add anything to that? If we're just defining what it means to enjoy God? No. I would say it uh, brings, brings emotion, yeah. right? An emotion, not only of happiness at times, but of uh, surpassing joy and joy is an emotion that happens. It's not it's sort of like a state of being yeah. in the sense, like you can be happy and then that happiness can be taken away from you. Um, we could have a really happy moment here. Mm-hmm. Like we could be like, Oh, that was such a happy moment. And then walk out and find out that, uh, the entire time Hannah was faking it and she's just hated me this whole time. And that would make this moment less happy, right? Yeah, for sure. That is an emotion. It can be changed at any point. Even in the future, I can look back upon something and no longer be happy mm-hmm. about it. But joy is different. Joy is all sustaining, mm-hmm. always is. A joyful moment will always be a joyful moment, and nothing takes that away. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's... so to enjoy him goes beyond just the emotion of happiness. Yeah. Right? It means to rest in assurance of joy in him and to be pleased by him and mm-hmm. satisfied in him. So what, what Cody's saying is there's a difference between being joyful in like the hard times and being happy in the hard times. We're not saying if you're going through a trial and a struggle right now and it, you just don't feel happy, that's not the same as having joy in the Lord. And I, I, not to say that it's easy. Like I think the hardest times to really enjoy the Lord are probably in 
your lowest periods and the, the hardest struggles that you're in. But there is a difference between those two. Yeah, and I'm saying that both can exist. Uh, the, I'm saying that joy can exist when you're not happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a great uh, biblical example, First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he's talking about the, the various trials. Um, it says, in this you rejoice. So he's talking to the people, uh, the, what, the elect exiles. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. Mm-hmm. That happens at the same time. You are rejoicing, and yet you are grieved. Mm-hmm. The, that goes to show you that it, they are separate things, yep. and that they're not uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Is that the way you, you mm-hmm. like? They don't happen unto themselves. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what we mean by enjoying Him, loving Him. What does that mean? You can glorify God by loving Him. What does that mean? I wasn't prepared to answer this like I thought I was. Okay, what does it mean to love your wife? Ooh, putting you Ooh, on the spot, Regent. Better answer this one right. <laughs> Make her happy. This no, is I'm what just you kidding. get for That's doing a podcast kidding. with your wife, right? I know this it's <laughs> it's a it's a scary thing. No, it's to cherish, um, to cherish her, hold her up, um, or or looking at the Lord to cherish him, hold him up as you know someone I care deeply about, relationship with. Oh, I love. To be in love, the biblical meaning of love. I mean, what are what are biblical fashions of love that we see? Like, how did Christ love us, or how are we called to love our wives? Yeah, it, it's a sacrificial thing. Yeah, yeah. It's Servanthood. like giving up yourself for the other person without expecting anything else in return. Yeah, the, the truest sense of love is sacrificial love. I mean, there's there's other um, nuances of love, like brotherly love, unconditional love, um, you know, romantic love. But really, when we say loving God, we mean loving him in this way that we are submitting ourselves to him. We mm-hmm. want to submit ourselves to him. Yeah. We value him in a way that we want to we want to sacrifice ourselves to him and that he is a priority. He's the number one priority. Like we love him so much because that's John three sixteen, where God so loved the world that what that he was spurred into action to sacrifice something, to sacrifice his one and only son. And even that is sacrificial love for the sake of a priority. Good. Um, so to enjoy God, to love him, here's a hard one, to trust him. How is God glorified in our trusting? Whenever I was thinking about this, my mind just kept on going back to different um, biblical characters that we have, like Abraham sacrificing Isaac or David going before Goliath or um, Daniel um, still praying and being sent to the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all these people that um, I, I think trust and obedience is what I'm going to get to go together because they trusted God so much. Like Their belief in um, his plan for them, his belief in his perfect will, his belief in his perfect character spurred them on to obedience and action because they knew that no matter what, their God was trustworthy. And so we see time and time again this tying together of trust and obedience I think it is like a deep-seated belief in um, the character and the intentions of God and that they're for our good and His glory. Yeah, and I'd add to that that all the situations you listed, the trust happened because there were things that were out of their control. Mm-hmm. So trust is also this idea of giving up control, that, that you are not in control, and so you are going to sh- allow even though you can't stop him from being, but you are going to allow, you're going to submit and sacrifice yourself mm-hmm. again. 
for him to be in control. And so that's what it means to trust him is to, uh, you know, Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. yeah. So um, that's good. And I don't, I'm not sure we need to really break into obeying his will, commands and laws besides why, why list all three? Like why separate will, commands and law? I think scripture does. Yeah. So, so what, what, what are like the nuances? It's like an all-encompassing obedience. It's not we just, um, I don't know how you could even separate them really. Like how can you obey his will without obeying his commands? Yeah. But what, what are the nuances? Like there, it's not, it's not just a three-peat, right? Like there's a little, yeah. a little bit of a nuance each, each one. So what does commands mean to you? When you hear that, where does your mind go to in scripture? I think and, that's more of like a way of living. That, it tends to be more of like the New Testament epistles you see i would attribute a lot more commands coming out of there whereas mm. then i would go more old testament with laws gotcha personally. Not, not, not necessarily right that's kind of where i go no I, I think it makes sense but i think they're called the 10 commandments yeah. as well yeah. you know yeah. that is his command to his people and maybe that's why they're separated from the law because they are a command as well but essentially when we get down to it we think of command as something he has explicitly said Mm-hmm. Right, that we can clearly see. We think of laws as things he has explicitly laid out for how they will be and set punishment for said things. Right, the law is more than just what you are to do. Law is also what will happen if you don't. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like a command might be just do this or mm-hmm. do not do this. Um, but I want to get to how's will different than those in the life of a believer. I think there is a difference. So. Do you, what do you guys think? I'm not going to make anything up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a clear, I don't have an answer. Yeah, I, I'd just say that there are things in life that you cannot clearly point to a specific commandment and, oh, and know what to do, but you can know your Lord's will for you based on his character, based on the things he has said about adjacent items. And, and so to glorify him is to obey him even in those moments when it is not black and white, but you desire to follow his will. And I think that's why they put that in there. Like to follow his will is that sort of nuance between his commandments and his law that you know he would want you to do this. Like, um, why did you decide to work at John Deere? Is that, is that in God's commandment for you to... To work at John Deere, I'm talking Regent, by the way, not Hannah. <laughs> In case you're listening, I'm looking at Regent. Yeah, no, I mean, that's where I felt him pulling me towards. Yeah. But there was no, I mean, if there's a verse, I, I'd be kind of floored. I've missed it. <laughs> yeah, but I. So that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Is that yeah, that's good. You weren't yeah. following God's law, but you were glorifying Him by following His will. You felt that that was what He was telling you to do, and you did it. Yeah, and so He's glorified in that as well. Um, I want to end it here and I want to do a part two next week where we really just focus on how do you live this out as a believer? And, and here's some things to be listening. If you're still listening to this right now, here's some things to be looking forward to. If you're only good at one of these things, how do you do the others? Right? What if, what if you don't love him? What if you don't enjoy him? What if you can't emotionally get there? What, what are things that you can do to get back to that place? or to get to that place in the first time. Um, how do we balance these? How do we not feel like we're disobeying his, his will? Um, 
and and how can we be satisfied in him? So I just want to nuance all those things and talk about how those play out in the life of a believer in the next episode. Take a little bit of break before we dive into the next few questions, which are all related to the law of God. Um, anything to add to that, you guys? I, so I didn't I didn't run this by them. So Sounds you, great. You guys, yeah, I like it. You yeah, guys are love cool it. With that. Okay. Love it. They're cool with it. That works. We're on board. All right. Well, it's been a great podcast. Um, this is. So much more important than than we even had time to really discuss. Oh, yeah, there's uh, so much here. So defining of the life of the believer. And really, anybody that's ever in ministry, this is the thing they want for other people, right? They want other people to enjoy God, to love God, to follow God. I guess like the whole goal of being in ministry, right, is to equip saints to even help others be able to do those things. So yep. um, with that said, just know we're praying for you in, in these things all the time. And we're trying to equip you any way we can to do those things. Um, we love you. We, we can't wait to be with you again. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.